Was uh, Mexico as uh, as chaotic as uh, as we imagined? It was pretty chaotic. It was pretty chaotic, but we had a good time. Good, good. Um, but you had plenty of time to get in all the culture because we have a big old slate of stuff. Yeah, uh, very little of it in Mexico. A lot of that was while I was either still here or, uh, you know, already back. Uh, should we jump into, I guess we should probably just jump into this challenge finale. Um, yeah, I mean, do we even call it that? This uh, continuing finale, fi- I suppose. Yeah, finale is the wrong word. Final, I guess, would be yeah, the appropriate final. Word. Yeah, not final. Not finale, because it's still ongoing. And note to MTV producers, like, can you just be a little bit transparent in terms of how long we're doing this? We were excited <laughs> for the uh, 100-hour final concept, and I, I'd say I still am. Indeed, I but- still am. But, like, the way you're parceling out these episodes and not, not having any understanding when the show is coming to an end and some being an hour, some being an hour and a half, it's yeah. a bit janky. It's just a bit well, janky. Let's be, let's I mean, be yeah. fair. Janky let's, is a word. I don't know that I would call it that, but I, I do think it is, like, it is toying with an audience in a way that's not necessary yeah. or necessarily beneficial. We thought we would be talking about who the champion of the season is today, right? Yeah. Not that this super matters, but it's just like I think whereas uh, they may think it is clever or cute or fun, it is mostly annoying. Yeah. Like, yeah. In the same way that when TJ shows up now and these contestants are like who are usually really happy to see him, you know, and he's got an extra bowl of ice cream and they all like want to punch him in the face. That is the (laughs) That's the feeling. A similar emotion to getting to the end of one of these episodes and finding out there's another one to go. Yeah, and also of being like, wait, that was not a full episode because all of them have been an hour and a half until now. I, you know, it, it's just uh, here's the thing: there is so much they don't show that they could make it longer, and so much they do show that they could make it shorter. But they choose to make it exactly the length it is and parcel it out exactly the way they do. So the only conclusion is that they're screwing with you a little bit. And it's like part of the game. But I'm with you that I don't love it. And I, I, I don't totally love it. All right. So uh, we are now. Yeah, that said, I mean. It appears to be a three episode final finale. Yeah, correct. And we're talking basically about a mild annoyance, not not any significant <laughs> issue I would yeah, say. yeah i'm not saying like i'm out you know what i mean but yeah. like if you want if you're looking for notes on what you could do better there you go this is the thing you could do better there you go yeah for sure yeah. uh-huh um 
All right. So part one and part two, and you could the the one tell for me was I was like, man, they're they're only at hour fifty, right? And <laughs> it just it seems like we don't have that much more episode to go. They're gonna they're you're gonna have to yada yada a lot to to get fifty more hours through here. Did it uh, seem to you like they stayed like lost some hours somewhere though between maybe like thirty and fifty? Well, the first 24 hours was really mostly driving and camping, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. a little challenge in, in the middle, but it was, you know what I mean? That took that took most of the first day. So That's fair. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I think that sort of helped suck up a, a fair amount of the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I see your point. Um, obviously. All right, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean. No, you go. You go. I was just going to say, obviously, the big talking point in the first one is uh, the Horacio and Olivia and um, a series of unfortunate events that befell Olivia in this competition. Yeah, man. I, it's just kind of heartbreaking. I, I Especially as we watch the final play out, and I feel like they would have had a very good chance to be at or near the top. Right? Yeah. Like, the series of events, and I have listened to Olivia uh, on a couple of podcasts since, and I guess essentially what happened was she, like, cut her finger a bit, but then as she tried to keep going without getting any medical attention, the next throw, like, ripped it open so she could see her bone, basically. Um, <clears throat> which, in turn, affected her ability, as we could kind of see, to grab the slingshot and probably at least in part contributes to her ultimately uh, disqualifying. And yeah, ultimately. one more quick note from listening to her, her face was broken in five places, including her nose, her orbital bone and multiple skull fractures, multiple skull fractures, multiple skull fractures. <laughs> Jesus, I have to say, I mean, I don't, we don't get too much into the logistics of these challenges and like the production and preparation of these challenges. I have to imagine that they do some rigorous safety testing and I'm, yes. I'm a little surprised that they didn't have these people wearing goggles for this. Right. Some sort of protective eyewear, um, you know, depending on the goggle, how much that would have protected her from that particular shot, unclear. But what it would have done is probably save her life if the, you know, two inches from their shot or less, really, half an inch from their shot had happened and it, it had hit it her did in the eyeball. Like, like, right, like kind of like right in the center of the of her, it her literally was right in the center of her face. Yeah, I um, it, that, it, that does sort of answer a question that I had, which was like, could you not just put like the Joel Embiid kind of face mask right. on her and have her keep going? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, she oh. was way too messed up for that. Yeah, yeah, I think that that yeah, once <laughs> you're you're fracturing bones in your skull, that's <laughs> and your and her orbital bone, which is the eye. Yeah. You know, like she was in bad shape, um, which of course we saw in the tremendous ITM shot. Um, and just honestly, just a credit to her and Horacio for the entire season they had. It was spectacular. Yeah. They deserved to be in the final. They deserved better than what ended up happening to them, the both of them. Um, yeah. and and TJ, very specifically, right? Like he said, 
you're still in the game as long as you're both still fighting. Yeah. Right. So yep. I understand Horacio and I want to do both the work, but like definitely by letter of the law, you can, that's not the way it can play out. Well, right? and yeah, I, I also heard an interview with the showrunner who said, uh, you know, there just was no way for one person to do the rest of this specifically two person final. Um, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It's a bummer for him, but I'm sure he'll be back. Like, unless he decides he doesn't want to be. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah, is... No, there's, like, yeah, there's no question that they're getting invites if they want to compete. You know Right. I mean? And I think we would agree there are a lot of rookies who will be getting invites in all likelihood. But of all of them, clearly those two are the two that will get the first, you know, rookie re-invites. Yeah. The epic rookie season, it reminds me a lot of the Casey Fessy final, right? Um, which I think was their rookie season, was it not? I'm um, not sure if what, it was Fessy's rookie season. I think it was Casey's and not Fessy's. I thought they, I thought they came in together, right? Maybe they did. As part of that big brother group. You Maybe know what you're I mean? right. Maybe you're right. Um, which is, I think was kind of why they were so tight um, or, and remained so, you know. Um, but regardless, right? Like they were cruising along and then freak injury and then and you're done. You know what I mean? That's, yep. that's what it is. Yep, so, it happens. Um, you know, and uh, and that's where we're at. And then we, you know, I guess we could be watching it again um, with Jordan and Anissa, right? Uh, although I guess a slightly less freakish injury. I mean, yeah. So we got to talk, obviously, about Jordan and Anissa. And I think we might as well, since you've brought it up in this context, start with the injury part of it. Um, when Anissa, I would say gently suggests that she might not have injured her ankle had they stayed on the road and Jordan flips out. What, like what, how, how did that interaction strike you? (laughs) Well, uh, it struck me as old Jordan coming out to play basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just not only completely tone deaf. Okay, and like failure to read the room, which I think is typical Jordan. But like, here is the question I found myself asking throughout half of this episode. You know, this is the second episode and, you know, basically the whole first full day of the final. What I kept asking myself is, what does he think he is doing to contribute to a victory in this final? Well, right. right, So here's my. Or go ahead. Offensive Jordan in this would be, I like I think if you're putting yourself in Jordan's shoes, <laughs> it's like you're you're essentially going through life with a rolled ankle. You know what I mean, right? Um, uh-huh. Like that your 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 whole life is I'm down I'm down a, a part. You know, essentially, right? And correct. And, and everything's been about overcoming it. Right. And. I really do think that the way that he treats her, and I'm not trying to justify it per se, uh-huh. uh, because it, in the end I would agree with anyone else that it seems pretty awful. But I think in his mind, what he is doing is trying to give her the tools. Well, okay, to but but push past it. So if I, you know, as he does, I think know? there are. I think there's two. There's a few things here. Uh, first of all, I think. You and I, if not Jordan, can immediately and, and you know, in upfront acknowledge the fact that, with all due respect, uh, 
um, her having an acute ankle injury in this moment is dissimilar <laughs> to Jordan having one fully working hand. It's just like one is broadly speaking, obviously significantly worse than the other. And by the same token, the other is clearly more of a problem in this moment, right? Like there's no, <laughs> yeah. so like those I, things are just, I, so th- that uh, while I'm not saying you're wrong about, you know, trying to interpret his mindset, I'm saying he's wrong. If that is in fact his mindset. And, yeah, I, and I would, wrong, but I think his whole thing is like, well, but well, hold I on this by mind over matter. So that's what you can do. You know what I mean? Well, f- fair enough. But yeah. I think he also, you know, at some level knows that not to be true. He's not an idiot. And second of all, like, that might explain, and I think, frankly, I shouldn't say that. I think that does, I would agree with you that that does explain some of what he says and does. And his general, like, hard-ass-ness towards Anissa, you know, suck it up, that sort of stuff. But he was also just taking cheap digs at a certain point. Like, at one point, he goes, no wonder it's been 13 years. Yeah, yeah. But and, I, like, it, that, I, I, that is just straight up. Because it's mean. But I do think that, I think that that is his way of trying to motivate her. I think oh, that's boy. what he's trying to do. Maybe, you know but I mean? it, it, I don't know. I don't know if he's that stupid. I think at that point, he's literally <laughs> just being an asshole. Like, I do not... <laughs> Because that's in him too, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do not believe that in that moment, and I I would say as much as he can and often is an asshole, can be and often is, he he, more often than not, he only does those things in service of a reasonably logical attempt to win, right? Like the pure asshole just because he's annoyed with his partner who he knew would be his partner and whose weaknesses he is well aware of and who he nevertheless took into the woods on uneven ground. Like, I actually think it's more his fault than Anissa was even saying. Yeah. Well, and and, and uh, Bananas acknowledges that at yes. some Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think Devin does as well because, again, it's pretty clear. Like, you know who Anissa is. Like, if your partner was... To pick someone at random, uh, Mariah. If your partner even was Tori, maybe you suggest a run through the woods to take a shortcut. If your partner is Anissa, you could roll your ankle anywhere, though. I think I think the fact that this happened in the is. woods is it's a little overplayed. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. As someone with really poor ankles, who has rolled ankles literally countless times, and like sprained them to get on crutches you know probably definitely double digits i it's night and day running through a forest with ground cover and on a road night and day in terms of likelihood of an ankle roll i mean you saw that road it was not like it was not like not like we're talking about a paved road but you can see everything you can really see your your footsteps and so if you're the sort of person who has to be careful about rolling an ankle, and I say this from experience, you would rather be on a truly shitty road than in that sort of like light ground cover forest where you might hit a stick you're not expecting. Yeah. 
And that's exactly what it looked like happened to me. The video wasn't great because, again, they were running off the path in the forest. But, like, there's no doubt that Jordan bears at least some responsibility for for essentially forcing her to take that route. Also, again, for no was, reason. Right. It's it's just such an unnecessary risk. Because, you know what I mean? because you're going to lose whatever leads you get from your shortcut. Like, Again, you sh- you you have to know going it's, into this final. Like it's a four day final. Like Devin that's right. and Tori on the bikes the first night going. Like the only advantage here is a little extra sleep. Yeah. Uh, and and ten setup time. Right. Uh, which we could lose immediately. Like there's just no reason to hustle on this. That's right. Know? Yeah. And, and look, if you want to get a good bike ride in, like Horacio and Jordan want to compete, I don't. That's fine. I'm sure that serves a purpose in its own small way. But like at the end of the day. It was Devin and Tori who spent much of the final in first. And by the same token, ultimately, it was an eating challenge that equalized it. So, like, that is the the one thing, the one and only thing that you can count on being a determining factor in a challenge final is perseverance. Everything else changes by the second, and there can be an equalizer at any moment. Whether I it's would a puzzle. Say, I would say, yeah, you should count on there being equalizers. Well, right. right of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's true. So yeah. ultimately, like, which is all the more reason not to take shortcuts. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Especially when you're like shortcutting your way to losing by a little bit less. It's like it's right. just not worth it. Right. And you know, and I, look, I think he figured this out. Like, you know, the running challenges aren't their thing. They're gonna have to make them up in the other ones. So it's yeah. Like, you know, no, anything that involves any kind of pace is going to be a struggle for them. But, like, I, obviously... I, I'll give Jordan a, a moderate amount of credit. A moderate amount of credit. Because I, I do think he sort of was learning this as the final one on. And you clearly saw him realize, like, the stick isn't working here, so I yes. better bring some more carrot. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it just took way too long for, like, took, a human right, being. It just took too long. <laughs> it just took way too long. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's... I, I mean, again, I think that is who Jordan is, but that has cost him in this final to this point and like and in life i dare say well yeah and as you were saying when we started this conversation like who's to say anisa is not the next injury disqualification which would obviously mean like he was at least partially responsible for uh forcing a scenario that eliminated him from the game yeah they really played it up between the first and the second like that might be the case yeah Um, I don't it doesn't seem like it now. The thing is I don't like this is we talked about this with the Challenge USA finale. Like one of those people would quit now. I don't think Anissa's gonna quit, man. I think they would have to tell her to stop and they're yeah, not gonna tell her to stop on a purple. hundred percent But it does, like dude, said, I that's like the other thing. Said, I, uh, hold on, because I actually wrote the quote down somewhere. Well, while you're looking uh, for that, I, Oh, here it is. What's pain? It's a hundred hours of pain. It was gonna be painful anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yes. like, which is I. I was like, yeah, all it's right. It's a bar, and it's it's accurate, and that's who the veteran challengers are, because that's how, the only way to become a veteran challenger is to just never quit. That's it. That's the key. You don't have to be great. Think of all these people, the Nannies and the Anisas, you know characters we love be good on tv and don't quit and yeah that's how same about tori and devin right uh, to a degree yeah although again just right you know yeah although again they're the perfect example in this 
last few moments really of of what we've seen so far of like you can do everything right and if that next equalizing moment is your weakness tough shit you're just you're screwed yeah <laughs> and we like, are, can we talk about the eating challenges i um, think i think ultimately this is still the midpoint approximately of this final and uh that is done with intention by the producers because they wouldn't want this to be the ultimate equalizer but you know this is how after about half the final they tighten things back up yeah uh, look i i really enjoy the eating challenges in a certain way i enjoy them without like i find them also very hard to watch at the same time does that make sense of like course. i love that they're there it's constant I love what they do to the game <laughs> but man it's tough it's they just and they so much barf man not just, shy. they're just, not shy about all of that barfing oh well God. you can't be right i mean you don't have time to waste being shy um i gotta say like every time i see those things now that was a lot of pasta um but i do usually feel like most of the stuff they do i would just eat it be uncomfortable and move on with my life without all the like aggressive vomiting um, but I would probably struggle a lot <laughs> in the subsequent hours and days. Um, so who knows? I feel like I would have done much better at that pasta challenge than the, like the fish guts one, the fish guts smoothie one. Nobody likes the, the fish guts smoothie. So, yeah. I think I, I kind of feel like I would have been a little nami like in, in, in the just kind of gross pasta challenge. Yeah. Just for handfuls. handfuls. Yeah. I mean, they they did it right. They did it right, and they took the lead. And and honestly, it made well, that's up though, right? Because I think that I really think that the ice cream threw them for a, a, a damn loop there for a minute. You know what I mean? I guess, but they uh, obviously they still won. They were yeah. they were spied. Like yeah. what's done is done. They are in they're in the lead now. Um, and it's not inconceivable that they can hold it. It's certainly not inconceivable that they'll be right there by the time, you know, whatever the end game happens to be. Yeah. Well, we know it's something in a field. It looks like in a big well, and, field. Yeah. And look, at, it, it looks to me like sort of like a gigantic elimination terror dome with like, you know, multiple elimination scenarios in one gigantic site, uh, which would be pretty damn cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sure would. I'm, I'm excited to see what they have in store. <laughs> Hopefully, it's an end and not just like, guess what? There's another episode after this. Um, I believe in the in the preview, the actual finale with an E is used. So, um, so we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything after the right. discussion we've just had, but fingers You're right. crossed. You're right. The TJ does love to trick us. He does. I, I, you know. I do think this will be the last episode of action. I I wouldn't put it past them to do something. They have in the past done stuff where it's like, and we'll let you know who the winner was at the reunion next week. Yeah. So um, who you got right now? I'm sticking with the horses I rode into the season on, and it's Tori and Devin. And I love them, and I love watching them on TV. Uh they're very different ITM people, but I love both of them in, in that context. Uh, I mean, Devin, I think, is sort of the undisputed champ at this point. 
of of narrating the show. But yeah, Tori it, it, is it, is underrated, I think, and is funnier and more self aware than most of the people uh, on the show. Um, that said, like Banani is right there for me. It's a it's a tough choice. Um, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm Banani. I think I'm just I'm just leaning experience. Um, well, and, just, and you know, a lot of that will depend on you know is the last is the sort of you know uh, last most deciding factor gonna be something purely physical or something a little more uh, you know. I don't know. It's just I, I if I have to play the well, that, odds, right? That's that but that's the other reason why I think I favor Benani is that they have to me just a little bit more versatility. I mean, obviously Devin and Tori really? have, have a little bit of a puzzle edge. But like we've said before, like Bananas is just good at weird shit. He you is know good what I mean? at weird like, shit. Lots of weird shit. And I think Nani kinda is too. Yeah. So Yeah, they're uh, they're gonna uh, be better at the yeah. weird shit. They might I mean, I think strength, it probably leans towards Devin and Tori. I think endurance or speed, uh, both of those lean towards Devin and Tori. Um, yes, I think I would give strength to, to Banani, actually. Well, that one's the closest, perhaps. You you might be right. But clearly, Tori has a r- large edge over Nani. Um, and, you know, Bananas is probably stronger than Devin. Hard to say by how much. There was a great moment where they were like lugging those tires around, and like Tori's like mugging at the camera. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like, all right, yeah, you were, you guys are putting up a little mental edge right now. Um, yeah, and with, with how much fun you're having, like Tori is, with all due respect to the two KG vets, Tori is the best remaining female competitor by a mile. By yeah, I'd say it's fair. If if it's coming down to some elimination dome type stuff, mm-hmm. you're favoring Tori in a lot of things. But the other side of that is, I think I would favor bananas in in a, a lot, lot of, in a lot in that in that scenario. So yeah, yeah, it's man, you know, I think Jordan and Anise are are a tough luck third, you know, most likely to win at this point. But that's not to say by any stretch it's outside the realm of possibility because I don't think it is. I you know I give them a solid. 15, 20% chance. Yeah, they're like the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies or the Philadelphia 76ers in this store. Wouldn't you know be I shocked. Mean? Wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't fa- yeah, wouldn't favor them, but you can't rule them out, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is just a lot left to decide and I think going to be a lot of entertainment remaining in whatever hour, hour and a half we have of, of this final and uh, – I'm thrilled. I, I, you know, I feel bad for, feel bad for Olivia, and I feel bad for Horacio, but I'm not sure that I would want this to be wrapping up any differently than it had. I mean, I'd love, you know, look, I'd love to see them still competing, um, but um, you know, this this stuff happens in finals. With regularity, and in fact, a lot of times they just eliminate a team at some point along the way anyway. So, um, yep, yep, you know, and you know, no shame in, in what they did. And I would say, 
I mean, this seems, you know, it may not have been as hard as I imagined a hundred hour final would be so far, but it's pretty damn hard. It's pretty damn hard and it's still halfway through. Yeah. Like you can't put an asterisk on whoever wins this one. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) whoever wins this one will have fully earned it. So, yeah. Uh, A few other notes. The porn cut with Horacio taking his shirt off on the bike. <laughs> man, man. Wow. Those cameras did some lingering on, yeah, that, on, some, on some, that one. And he was yep. sweaty and it lingered it lingered a long time and the music was very specific and then they started to include the other guys and it became very funny. Um the did you see Anissa's bruises? I did, like coming out of the tent. Oh my god. Like, I don't yeah. even know what that's from, but she is. I'm not torn sure it was from that title. Yeah, to be honest. She might have had him coming in. Final. She has yeah. the biggest bruises on her legs. Man, uh, she's been through it. Anisa has been through it. Uh, I thought Tori's twist as a puzzle genius was incredible. To be the first one <laughs> to figure that thing out is really funny. Um, yes. Although all of them sort of figured it out eventually, right? You know what I mean? She, yeah. did, she did figure it first, so good for her. The line of the episode, uh, I thought, was TJ when he did first bring the ice cream out after the, you know, Johnny and Nani had celebrated finishing the pasta. And he said, I thought you deserved a reward. (laughs) (laughs) And he just starts cackling. Like, uh, TJ's laugh continues to be one of the best characters on the show. I thought it was also nice of him to take pains to point out that it was vegan ice cream to Tori. Yep. Vegan uh, ice cream. <laughs> and you could hear him laughing as you said it. Yep. He's just excellent. Uh, that water that they had to walk through was shockingly disgusting. Um, yeah. Although I think a lot of it is was just plant. There's just a lot of plant life in it, right? Yeah. But the way they described the smell and it was all over their bodies um, and that was another good line was Devin as they were getting in was like, I keep saying this, but I got to get a job. <laughs> I missed that one. I did. I also liked his line about how, you know, maybe they're going to come out of this stronger, like the, um, uh, like the swamp thing. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, uh, I, I, I had a line, actually my, uh, my sister pointed this one out. So I got to give credit to her. Um, you could maybe even say this is burn of the week, but did, it, it was very subtle. But when Olivia was getting treatment in in that first episode and really just sort of wondering, like, what was going to happen to her, did you notice that the medic said to her, you have blue eyes, so everything's going to be okay? Absolutely, I did. What (laughs) a phenomenal moment. Uh, Because the question was like, is my nose broken? And the answer was, you've got blue eyes, everything will be fine. Which is... Basically, a like hard no, like <laughs> no, everything is not okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what that answer says to me is not just yes, your nose is broken, but in fact, you don't even want to know what's going on right now because yeah. your shit is fucked. And also, I still resent you a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't worry, your sure. eyes are intact and they remain blue. You American piece of garbage. 
<laughs> lot loaded in there. Woo. All right. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's all I got on this one. But uh, uh, last thing. Okay, go ahead. Johnny Bananas playing the guitar like a, uh, you know, roaming uh, bard in in medieval times. Have we ever seen this before? I've never seen Johnny Bananas play the guitar before. Before no. this season, right? It was one of those things where it's like. I didn't know he could play the guitar, but I'm also not surprised, if that makes sense. No, like, he has played Dave Matthews' band at the fire more than once. But, yeah. but like, 40-year-old Bananas breaking out the guitar at the compound is not... Uh, it was not on my challenge bingo card. <laughs> it's true. I need a real challenge bingo card, I think. Uh, look, that's an enterprise maybe we should consider. Uh, maybe I should go back and delete this from the recording so no one steals our idea. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we jump into culture, I, I actually did want to ask you, um, did, did you happen to catch the third episode of The Last of Us? Um, I, that's it. That I'm was the ca- question. <laughs> I'm, up, I'm up to date. I am, I'm caught up with The Last of Us. Um, which I think uh, obviously has gotten a lot of buzz. Uh-huh. People talking about it as one of maybe the television episodes of the year. Yeah, uh, well, it's early, and I think that's a fair statement. And I would like I, I wanted to bring this up this week actually because I think what I said was I'm not sure what it is that distinguishes this from any other perfectly good post-apocalyptic zombie show, and I think that was my answer. Yeah. Well, at least it certainly, yeah, it opens things up to the possibility that this has more to say. Yes, um, yes. Some, no, the job is not done, but, like, here is a deeply human story that sets us apart, uh, was the statement, and I, I received it loud and clear. It was a truly excellent episode of television. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Outstanding. And then episode four kind of was more of the same, right? So. <laughs> yes, yeah. Episode four, we're sort of back in it, um, but it does give me a little faith that what's being built from from a character standpoint is going to be, you know, more meaningful um, and and artfully done. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So on to the homework. Anywhere in particular that you would like to begin this week? No, I'm very flexible on this. Um, all right. Well, let's start with Poker Face. Okay. Um, which aired on Peacock. Uh-huh. Um, I um, it took me, I think, a sort of a minute to to get into this to kind of understand uh-huh. um, what this show was gonna be, um, right. which is sort of uh, a forum for Natasha Leone to sort of run into different mysteries in different places with the uh, recurring set of interesting actors every week, and I'm kind of here for that yes i would agree with that it it's a vehicle for natasha leone's sort of electric magnetism as much as it is anything um and i think she delivers yeah i i kind of thought it was going to lean a lot more on her sort of ability to spot liars um than it really does 
I mean, there's usually one or two, like, perceived lies sort of at the center of each episode, right? But it's not... It's not like she's constantly... (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's not... You're right. It's not necessarily as central as you would expect. Yeah, like, the first episode uh, sort of sets it up almost like it's like a superpower. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And and it's not really. Um, well, I mean, it uh, is really, but it's not. Yeah. <clears throat> it's you know for sure. Right. I mean, it is. It's a mysterious and and useful skill, but but she doesn't turn it into. I mean, honestly, the sort of super version of it is the gambling that she was apparently doing and got caught before this all started. Right. Right, that you just sort of hear her talk about, essentially. Um, or hear other people talk about. But, uh, yeah, really. but yeah. <laughs> hear Adrian Brody talk about, really. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm having a good um, to, yes. to this point. It's and, a ton uh, of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure it's supposed to be much more. Like the mysteries are, f- are they're not mysteries per se, right? Because you see what happens. <clears throat> it's really just. It'll be fun to watch how Natasha Leone works this out, and then not only works it out, but I think just as fun in this sort of episodic format is how does she like deal with the perpetrator because she's not the cops and she rarely. She certainly doesn't work with the cops, even if she occasionally gives them information. So it's it's just fun to watch her work her way out of each situation. And I, I'm not sure there's I, – I think that's enough, and I don't know that there's supposed to be a whole hell, hell of a lot more to it. No, no, I don't think so either. So um, uh, I'm going to continue to watch that one. Um and I'm enjoying them as they're sort of I'm enjoying sort of the parceling them out, uh, you know, one week now that we're kind of getting after they they dropped a few to begin with. Um, let's talk about extraordinary. How many how many of those did you watch? I think I've seen four or five of them. Um, and I have to say. And maybe I'm forgetting something. I find it, first of all, somewhat unbelievable that no one has done this concept, you know, the one person without superpowers concept. Someone uh, someone has done this concept okay. because I, I uh, mentioned it to someone and they immediately had a, oh, like that, like so, and I forgot the name of the show already. Okay. But they immediately had another show where that was the case. Right. Well, I'm, I can't remember it if I was ever aware of it, and I have to say it's a wonderful concept i think a really uh i guess maybe not that clever if it's been done before but like i thought it was clever and i find this show about as charming and enjoyable as anything we've watched like like ever well recently okay (laughs) you know I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's the best show ever by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, like, on the, on the, 
it doesn't have the emotional weight necessarily or or like the certainly the there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with reservation dogs like the first time native americans have perhaps been accurately represented on television ever um but it's that level of charming and funny to me i think it's exceptionally written really clever i think the characters i I don't know any of the people and i think they're all quite excellent and lovable like i really enjoy this show so you said you watched four or five right yeah I watched the whole fucking thing. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I just did not uh, – I wasn't all that excited when you suggested this, and I I just did not realize it was – especially ca- kind of given the superhero-ish right. setting that it was going to be so extremely my shit. And I'm just, so glad you enjoyed it because <laughs> I, I was hoping you would. It's yeah. really not a very superhero-y show, and, and the superpowers are more like personality quirks than like – you know, spandex. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a guy who can, you know, move through walls and, and gets his uh, his ass stuck in a wall. Um, <laughs> was ass stuck and, out of the wall. <laughs> yeah, and eventually becomes a Banksy installation. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, no more spoilers because I haven't gotten to Banksy yet. But I, I will say, like, without spoiling much, the origin story of the orgasm guy was – one of the hardest I've laughed this year. <laughs> and you see the end point coming the whole way, but it is not any less funny. He is his delivery of the whole character is spectacular. Um yeah. and and ah oh, the cat guy, like there is I'm so not, I'm not totally sure where you're at, but uh you you're getting more orgasm guy, I think. Well, I just saw the scene where uh, her roommate visited his house, um, but there may be even more. Uh, so getting even more. <laughs> I, I'm excited for that, and like, I, there are just so many hilarious characters. I think it's so cleverly written. I I'm glad you enjoyed it so much because this really is one of the my favorite things I've watched in a while. It, you know, I mean, look, it, it shares a lot of sensibility, like like. Like there's there's some some sex education in this. There's uh-huh. some the end of the fucking world. Yeah. Like there's this sort of weird English outsider sensibility, or I don't know if it's an, is it Irish? I can't I can't totally place the yeah. They're not accent. Uh, it might be Irish. Yeah. Um, but it's some sort of uh, uh, clearly clearly old Europe European country that they all live in together. Um, and I don't know. Like I just yeah. You like you said it, it is charming. Um, it's quirky, it's unpredictable, there's good music, um, and it's just, it's just sort of fun to watch these people kind of, uh, stumble around and, and figure stuff out, so. Yeah, yeah, and I gotta say, like, the lead actress, who is a total unknown to me, you just said it perfectly, it is a joy to watch her stumble around trying to figure shit out, she's just excellent yeah and there she does a lot of stumbling this is a woman who is far from perfect <laughs> kind, of, kind of an asshole and yeah. quite good at many turns yes absolutely oh yeah. man yeah so uh it's th- this is a ton of fun and i would highly recommend it to anyone it's you know 30 minute episodes and as Derek can attest very easy to digest 
Yeah, it flies by. Flies by. It's easy, it's easy to to bang a, another one home. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also in the thirty minute category is shrinking, um, which is on uh, Apple and um, stars Harrison Ford and um, oh my god, well, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Jason we, Siegel. Thank you, Jason. Also Siegel. Jessica Williams, who is. Who's in a lot of stuff lately? Yep. A lot of stuff lately. I'm a uh, I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, the uh, yeah, this is another. I thought. I. <laughs> okay, so this is weird. I somehow thought there would be actual shrinking in this. Oh. You didn't, you didn't think it was a uh, psychiatry sort of sort No, of I mean, I knew the main character was a psychiatrist, but I, I like, some part of my brain w- became convinced that was a double entendre. Um, you thought it was a Rick Moranis situation. Yeah, but, you know, because it was Jason Siegel, I was thinking more, you know. Weirder, yeah. Right. <laughs> not, not so much Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as, like, severance, but you okay. shrink. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, quite honestly. I didn't think it through. Uh, but I have to say, for a show that's literally just about a dude who's a psychiatrist, you know, the, the, the short version of what it's about anyway, I, I would actually say this is another entirely unique and oddly charming show. It's I mean, To me, it's a very classic Bill Lawrence. You know, um... Like kind of TV. Bill Lawrence uh, made uh, Ted Lasso uh, and Scrubs were down. I we t- yep. talked a little bit about him last week. We did. So I, yep. Yep. I, uh, I don't know. Bill, I've never, th- I never, yeah. I mean, I guess there are they deal with heavy subjects and in, in things like Scrubs and um, uh, Ted Lasso, but this is a different level of sort of emotional maturity, I would say, than the the standard yeah, Bill Lawrence I, show. I feel like that's the the part that the seagull is bringing. I think maybe is a little bit some of that weird, uh, some of the darkness. Um, but it's also a lot too. I think about the way that these characters uh, lift each other up and and care about each other. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I guess I see what you're saying, Lawrence. Um, to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I hear that. Uh, but I, I do think it's kind of an odd cocktail, the Siegel-Lawrence combo, and I quite like it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, you know, and it's weird. You, it's 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 interesting to me because Siegel's been doing a lot of weird, you know, stuff lately. And this is sort of almost in kind of going back to some of his sitcom roots in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's a, there's well, a little bit of Freaks and Geeks and a little bit of – just sort of that thirty-minute "How I Met Your Mother" kind of in, in the in the mix, while I think containing a lot more of his sort of later career stuff. Well, that's the thing is there are there are things about the show that are similar to those shows, but the character is very much the latter career darkness of Jason Siegel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's I think part of the charm of this show. It's it's sort of this. That the the sitcommy nature of 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 what surrounds Jason Siegel's character in this show is um, like smart and high class, for lack of better terms. You know, it's not like cheap sitcom garbage. It is the format of sitcom done artfully and intelligently. 
but then dropped into the middle of that, you know, clever, smart sitcom is this man having a breakdown. And that, like I said, it makes for a pretty interesting cocktail. Yeah. You know, I think the Harrison Ford character, too, is another kind of really sort of classic Bill Lawrence kind of character. That is true. You know, it's very, uh, very, very, uh, what's his face? Uh, John, John C. McGinley. Yeah, yeah. McGinley. Yeah, um, yeah, he's sort, of, he's sort of doing that guy where it's like gruff and stern, but like with a huge heart underneath right, that. The biggest heart. He's, yeah, like yeah. trying not to let out. And right. um, it's sort of fun to watch Harrison Ford do that, actually. So I That was the other thing I have written down about this show. I, it's not that I doubt Harrison Ford, um, but I guess – the nicest way for me to put it would be that at 80 years old, Harrison Ford has a lot more left just as an actor than I necessarily might have expected. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that, I guess that makes sense to me. I feel like Harrison Ford as an actor in his eighties is just sort of trapped by he's this guy that's now, you know, that became known for all these franchisey things. You know what I mean? Um, that, are become pretty impossible to do in your eighties, <laughs> you know. Maybe uh, they're making another Indiana Jones movie, right? Aren't they somehow? Yeah, I believe it's. I believe it's made. So, um, I I don't know how it's how coming out this year. Any of that, but um, well, there's obviously you know, going to be. There was always a good actor in there. You know what I mean? So yeah, but this is a very. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. This is. It's a subtle role. Like he's just doing really good work. Is all. That's all. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the the daughter is great. Um, as well. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and really good casting in terms of like she really does look oh, like the, the, their the daughter. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and Treat Williams, by the way, I believe that's who that is. The husband of the next door neighbor. No, you know who that is. Who is that? That's Ted C. McGinley, my friend. Is it? Yeah. Really? Pretty sure. Now, now I gotta go look no, this up. No, you're right. It is Ted McGinley. <laughs> oh my god! I knew I recognized. Oh my god! Okay, I thought it was Treat Williams. I was like, I know that guy. Sitcom legend Ted McGinley. Wow. Legend of the nerds his own. Anyway, okay, he's delightful. Uh, hilariously cast, and easy. I love how just openly mean he is. <laughs> yes, it's Jason Siegel's character. Well, to everybody, kind of. He's just kind of like a merciless dick all the time in a really hilarious way. Yeah. Um, except he just listens to his wife, and then his wife is Krista Miller, who Scrubs fans will remember as Jordan uh, from Scrubs, and she is also quite wonderful in this. Yeah, and she's Bill Lawrence's wife. Oh, I didn't know that, but that makes sense. There's your common thread. Um, all right. <laughs> I think we're in on this show, right? <laughs> we're all very much in on this show. I would agree. A, this was that. a good week, I think, for the most part. Now, um, I, I suspect the most, maybe maybe the most interesting thing to dig into <laughs> would be you people. Because I don't think, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I I think this movie is not as bad as I was led to believe, but I would also not say that it is is great either. Um, I 
would say that this movie is a fine and often pretty funny rom-com about a black family and a Jewish family. I would say it's not super romantic at any point. It's much more about the black and Jewish stuff than much, it is about like the you, romance. They give you a little bit of like, okay, you can see that they, they have some chemistry and that they like each other, but right. you just get it in flashes. It barely matters to the the writing of this movie. Can I ask, did you know, because I did not realize until the credits ran, um, did you know that this was a Kenya Barris uh, yes. movie? Okay. Yeah, Kenya Barris uh, and Jonah Hill. Um, yeah, I was pretty surprised by it, actually. <laughs> but really? Retrospectively, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it made sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot, lot of sense. Are in it, you know what I mean? It's pretty uh, broad. Sensibility, too, I think. You know what I mean? Plus the, plus the sneaker obsession. The sneaker obsession, yeah. It's pretty yeah. broad and pretty, uh, like, well-worn observations i guess on the relationships between black and jewish cultures um (laughs) obviously this was shot before some of the uh you know recent highly publicized uh moments that may have affected black and jewish relations there were some arguments there where i was like there are some retorts here that (laughs) like some stuff's happened to the jews since uh since this movie was so Uh, that was a little weird uh i i i don't you know from the jewish side like nothing some stuff hasn't happened to black people since the movie was written to by the way no of course (laughs) i i I think in this this movie's old they shot it a couple years ago i want to say um, in any event, the the point I'm trying to make is just that it's fairly obvious and easy stuff jokes wise. And it does obviously play to some stereotypes on both sides, but I think it's largely, if not realistic, like a pretty standard level Hollywoodization of somewhat realistic, like cultural clashes, if you will. Um, yeah. and like there are some funny moments. It's not. It, it it doesn't stand out in any way other than that it seems to utterly waste the rare presence of Eddie Murphy. Um, it really did. Oh, yeah, it, like I for some reason I assumed. I guess because Ed, uh, Eddie Murphy starred in it. In the, you know, like most things that he stars in are really. He has a lot of creative control over. I feel like no. It seems like he just oh. came to play a very serious character in this, in yeah. this silly in this one, film. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, uh, it was not that. I, you know, this it was a little hard for me. Uh, like I feel like I'm almost just too close to this movie in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this is my my life has been this clash of these cultures. Right. So, um, had, so, did you did you find any of it to be particularly on point or off point? I found most of it to be fairly on point. Yeah, you know? I mean that's as yeah. a right as a Jew who grew up around a lot of black people, I found it to be pretty like it's 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 you know big because it's satirical, but like it's not that far off. 
and, it seems a little weird to me that Jonah Hill would have a friend who stormed the Capitol. You know what I mean? Like well, that, that, well, that was that part was a little weird. I feel I like they, they were reaching for that to get that joke. You know that, what I mean? Right. Maybe like a distant cousin, but you wouldn't invite him to the wedding. Um, and I don't <laughs> I, like. I don't have any. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any capital storming uh, relations or acquaintances, so I don't. I I agree with you there, but like, even so, that's kind of an example of just like, do I know people who probably my parents would make at my, be at my wedding who would say something awkward in that circumstance? Probably, you know. Um, and and while my parents are nothing like. Jonah Hill's parents, like, with all due respect to my community, I know those Jews, you know? Um, Look, my dad is still airing <laughs> grievances about this period of his life uh, in, in family functions. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm very familiar. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, I, I think a lot of what upset people was like, because there was kind of a, I thought, upset reaction to this. And I think a lot of it was like, hey, like, those that's the those are like obnoxiously stereotypical portrayals of how this would go and i would say i guess sort of but also sort of like that's it's not that far off and that's what you do yeah you know you satire so they were just slightly exaggerated right you know what i mean exactly that's the game you you exaggerate the real stuff to make the comedy stuff and that's what they did like mileage may vary like i said I had some laughs. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but like I, in watching it, like, I don't it, think the Julia Dreyfus character was particularly exaggerated. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe David Duke singing John Legend at the piano was like maybe more over the top than your real life. Being that, and his typical. exhibit, his exhibit thing, while one of the funniest jokes in the film, was also yeah. way over the top. But like, yeah, I get the point, and it's it's. It's making a point that relates to a reality I have direct experience with. So, yeah, um, it's not that crazy. And and I would say, like, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character is not very exaggerated from, like, some of the worst moms you know sort of thing, right? Like, it's not every Jewish mom, of course, because she's horrible and obnoxious. But it's definitely not that crazy. It's not right. like it's offensively not, no, crazy. Not, not that crazy. Yeah, exactly. So people you know, are mad about this movie, really? I don't know. I've gotten that maybe maybe they're just disappointed because that I I totally get. Um, but sure. I, <laughs> it's, it's just hard for me to be imagine being mad. About yeah, this movie. I I don't know. I I maybe I'm misinterpreting uh, online reaction. It just seemed like there was at least some version of a like, you know, they're stereotyping everybody. <laughs> reaction and and uh, you know i've already said my thoughts yeah. which are yeah, yeah but also eh. <laughs> yeah. that's like my you basic right you don't have to make the black family so militant if you don't want to but like right. yeah they're looking for jokes you know right exactly um, and and the jewish mom doesn't have to be totally oblivious but it's funnier if she is yeah and look and they bring you know some skilled people uh you know pop in and out of this um look Jonah Hill Dreyfus makes me laugh, you know. Yeah. Jonah Hill makes me laugh. Eddie Murphy, as much as this was like not a great utilization of him, he makes me laugh. So I laughed. Uh, yeah, like Mike, dude, Epps. Mike yeah. Epps was great. Mike yeah. Epps, 
Yeah, my th- there were some really nice performances hidden sort of in the weeds here. Um, <laughs> like, it, yeah, this is not a rush out to watch it, but it's also a like, don't be discouraged by a particularly bad Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, because it's yeah. it's not terrible. If you have Netflix and you're just kind of like, ah, looking around, like, yeah, and like, it's fine. I want to watch a I want to watch a race and religion comedy tonight. This is this is for you. <laughs> yeah, and I also say. If you like Blackish, it would help. You know what I mean? Like the you, it's that you, you, Yeah, you're gonna get that sensibility, I would say. Um for sure. Um but yeah, not as terrible as I as I had been led to believe it was. I think I agree. Would, be, uh, would be where I landed on on this one. Although also not great. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Um all right. So I think we covered the gamut this week. Yeah. It's funny, we did end up talking about it for a while, but I would agree that uh, with my initial impression that, like, I'm not sure there's all that much interesting about, about this movie. <laughs> it is, it's being portrayed as both worse and more interesting than it uh, actually turned actually, out to be. Um, yeah. Do you want to briefly discuss the impending Super Bowl or the uh, recently pended NBA trade deadline? Um... Sure. I um, in regard to the Super Bowl, to me it comes down to like one question, which is: Are the Eagles in any way fraudy? Yeah, I have some suspicions. Do they have to be fraudy to lose this game? No, no, okay. they don't. Have, well, look, I mean, you, you don't have to. You just have to step on a field to lose to Patrick Mahomes. That's you know what thing. I mean? Like, he can just beat you. Well, that to me uh, is why this ends up being a toss-up. Like the Chiefs are good enough to be here, right? I, yeah. I don't think there's much question that, like, quarterback aside, top to bottom, the Eagles are the better team. But Mahomes equalizes that, I would say. So I like, I I feel as strongly as I have in a very long time. I really just would like to see a good football game because I believe this matchup deserves it. There's a good chance we'll get that. Yeah, I I'm just like. I I find the I'm sure you've seen the stat or whatever going around about the last 14 quarterbacks the Eagles have faced. Um, it it is not a murderer's row. I'll put it that way. If you if you haven't seen it, well, um, yeah, okay. And, and I just sort of wonder, like, they, if they, you know if they're going to be able to deal with with this guy. But uh, as my friend the Eagles fan pointed out, like there actually aren't a lot of great quarterbacks this year. And and they're almost all clustered entirely within the AFC, so it's quite possible as an NFC team to, that you just wind up not seeing them. And, you know, yeah, I did, mean they didn't cheat Kyler Murray and a few other <laughs> you know like decent ones early in the season, but it's been a it's been a run against a, a not not a great group. You know what I mean? The best yeah. the best guy they faced in in months was Dak Prescott in a game that they lost, and you know Jalen Hurts didn't play, so that's yeah. You know, I mean, he, I, I will I will yeah. just say that like throughout most of that stretch they have played the sort of defense that makes me believe that even Patrick Mahomes will be operating at a deficit yeah now well, particularly obviously, it's not 100% mobile which exactly like, exactly yeah. obviously Patrick Mahomes even hurt at a deficit is better than Brock Purdy or Kyler Murray at a deficit well you're better than Brock Purdy with a torn UCL. Well, sure, but I mean, even a healthy Brock Purdy, I'd probably take an injured Patrick Mahomes. The so this is a new challenge, but 
frankly, like Mahomes is a new challenge to compared to anybody. And that is why this is interesting. If the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs was whoever else, they probably won't wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be predicting as competitive a game. So yeah. By the way, I'm not claiming that the Eagles are fraudy, but I okay. have I I have some questions. That, that, that's well, all. yeah, I mean, the only way I'm going to say they're fraudy is if they get schooled in this football game, which yeah. I just don't see happening. But but if the, that would make me think they just had, you know, lucked their way into never facing a legitimate quarterback. Some of those teams without great quarterbacks that they beat were very good football teams. So it's going to be interesting. Um, and And I do not believe they are fraudy. But I do understand why you asked the question, I guess. Um, that said, this is one of those scenarios. If if I'm going – if I was, like, writing an article, I think I probably would favor the Eagles. Very slightly. But the minute you made me go hand my money to someone to place a bet on the game – don't know that I can bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It's, it's not just, fun to bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's not something I, I want to do. Especially if it's like Patrick Mahomes and, you, you know, it's not many, obviously, but you get you can get points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be very tough. It's um, tough to start, yeah. So, the, the, you know, the lot's begging you to tease Patrick Mahomes in some way, shape, or form, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, can I can I ask you an NBA question? Please. Am I wrong for not caring at all that Kyrie Irving is in Dallas? Uh are you wrong? No. Like like I you know, I I saw um you know, I was watching the M- the, the you know, NBA today during the uh during the deadline, you know, like so as the deadline's passing and they're reassessing the West and their analyst all had uh, had the Mavs as a top five team, and I'm not sure that they are. Uh, okay, who would your five be? Uh, all right, I'm going to take Denver. Uh huh. I'm going to take Phoenix. Uh huh. I'm going to take Memphis. Yeah. I'm going to take Golden State. Yeah. And then I'm going to take Sacramento over Dallas. How do you like that? Um, I would watch that series. I guess <laughs> is how I like that. Okay. Dallas, Sacramento. I'd check that out for sure. Yeah. I think it'd yeah. be really interesting in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Now, technically that right. If we're talking about five and six that, you know, they wouldn't get, be matched up in the first round or anything. Right. So you know, but you know, who knows what the warriors are going to do. Um, and I think, also you know, true. it's also worth considering, uh, first of all, um, placing the warriors, up there undoubtedly assumes health which they don't have at the moment and you know Fair. that's going to affect their seating and also we don't know if they'll have it down the stretch when they need it um by the same token virtually all the teams up there like the margins are not huge is dallas better than the clippers yeah i'd i, I think yeah i would probably them. Right. I mean, until the, until those guys actually but I mean, play relatively close, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it, it it depends on so many things. Like, 
they're similar teams from a from similarly frustrating teams from a projection standpoint. In that the biggest problem with both of them is you have really no idea what you're getting from some of the key contributors on the Dallas side. Yep. It's Kyrie on the Clipper side. It's both of their guys, um, which is why I, I don't think you know. I don't think any of these teams are probably a top three consideration. Um, I think very clearly the top two at this point, if you're just projecting out, obviously we have to see what happens and Kevin Durant has to get healthy, but Phoenix and Denver seem to be the two clear. Yeah. I have, I have some, some real worries about Phoenix's depth in, in their, this new configuration. Um, and, and a few worries about their defense. So, um, I mean, Booker's I, you know, decent. I want to see how it plays out. Yeah, no, Booker's fine. KD's going to have to go to work again on Bridges defense. Bridges was their stopper, you know, and I think they lost a lot of their tough guys in this in this kind of trade, you know. So KD's a great defense player as well. So, like, not saying they don't have guys who can defend, and obviously, yeah. Um, but, you know, Paul, Paul is what he used to be, but, you know, he, he can be a tough guy when he needs to be. Um, but, yeah, I have some, I'm not 100% sold – on Phoenix is as amazing as KD is and as, as amazing as the, and as enticing as the KD uh, Booker combination can be. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can be totally sold um, without seeing it for some time. Right. But yeah, I'm just saying if we're looking at talent at, at some, you know, combination mixed bag of talent and performance thus far this season, I think, you have to favor the Suns and, and and Nuggets, no? Yeah, well, certainly to come out of the West. I'm not sure yeah. I favor them to win the whole thing. No, 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 just in the West. Um, yeah. That being said, like, I think the Mavericks are probably a little better today than they were a few days ago, and I like them better to be sort of next up than just about anyone or not better but as much right i'm not sure i'm not sure the kings aren't going to be the third best team in the west i'm not sure the warriors the grizzlies the mavericks you know i'd put all those teams in that sort of possible third best uh playoff contender i'm not sure i'm not sure Kyrie is a great playoff player anymore and (sighs) I would worry about the Mavericks defensively in a playoff series with those two guys as your lead players because neither of them Look, um, are good defenders at this point and, in fact, are guys that you can kind of target. You'd be right so, to worry, but they're potentially as explosive and dynamic an offensive pair as you're ever going to see. So – you know, do, do they do they both figure out how to share? It's kind of like saying, will, will Chamberlain and Billy Cunningham are an explosive dynamic pair, though. Like, yeah, yes, Luca, 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 and Jalen Brunson was also a pretty dynamic and explosive pair. You know what I mean? Well, but so, that's kind of the point, isn't it? With Luca and Jalen effing Brunson, you looked like a potential finalist. I'm not sure that Kyrie is that much better than Jalen Brunson in 2023. No, he is. I don't think you watched much Kyrie this year. Oh, I did. Well, he's still incredible when he's on the floor. I mean, the question with him is, will he be there? But I think think 
you know, if he's ever going to be anywhere, it's Dallas for the remainder of the season, you know? Um, so we'll see. I'm with you. I, look, if the question is, would I trade for Kyrie if I was running a franchise? The answer is no. Um, if the question is, does he improve what I think the Mavericks can be this year? Then I would say yes. How about this question? Has he improved any of the last two to three franchises that he's joined? Um, well, that's a complicated question. When he was on the floor, he made the Nets better, yes. I guess. I mean, Overall, I as a franchise, he probably hurt them pretty significantly. Yeah, and some <laughs> of that on the floor, right? Like they've – I mean, look, I just, if you look at his last seven years of playoff work, that's a lot of flops in there, a lot of bad flops. So – and some and some real disappearing acts. Um, well, some injuries too. Um, and some injuries and, and some injuries as well. But there were there were there were multiple times where he was on the floor and just not good for them. You know, that's not in, you know not quite in the James Harden way, but not too far off. So uh, uh, agreed. Yeah, I'm not. I just think he's. I think he's wildly overrated at this point. Wildly overrated. Uh, yeah, he's as complicated a player as there is. I don't want him. Uh, but you know, he in his first game with the Mavericks, he led the team in scoring. Had twenty four points, five rebounds, five five assists, four rebounds, buckets. five assists. There's a, there's a lot of guys in this league who can get buckets right now. You know what I mean? But not not very many like him. There really aren't. Now, again, I'm not even saying he's yeah definitely going to help your team. But I think look the the skills the, you know look the handle and and the jumper like yeah he's I'm not saying he's not skilled, but I would also say that those skills don't necessarily lend themselves to like that kind of half court playoff basketball. And he's a total negative on defense. Yeah, he which is a spectacular shooter a though. Problem. He's a great yeah. shooter. So so he will be good. But if you can get hunted. In, in playoff basketball, you will be hunted. So, um, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, look, that's a problem. But it, you know, uh, I don't know that. I don't know that his defense is a bigger problem than. Again, I'm not comparing the players, but then say Steph Curry's defense. It's certainly not a bigger problem than Jordan Poole's defense, right? So, oh, like, I, yeah, well, okay, it's not. Yeah, is it Jordan Poole? I would put him and Jordan Poole on the same level defensively, but I think Steph Curry's a, a better defense or defense player than Kyrie Irving is at this point in their lives. He's a more consistent defensive player, but Kyrie, when he locks in, can be better actually than Steph. It's just you'd. I think you'd rather have the guy who's consistently solid than the guy who's occasionally good. Um, and he's never going to be a great defender, but like again. The gamble the Mavericks are making, and it's not one I would make, but I see what they're doing, is if there's ever going to be a time where this guy chills the hell out and does the things he has to do to succeed on the floor, it's now. If he totally stinks and is someone we don't want to do business with, his contract ends. And if we like him, like you don't have a lot of opportunities to get someone with that sort of talent. So Same. I, it's going to be very interesting to see what the market is for him in the offseason if he hits the open market. Very interesting. I would yeah. I would strongly agree with that. Um, I don't think he'll get a ton better than what the Nets were offering him as a, in an extension, and I think the notion that they disrespected him is pretty silly. No. Um, well, look at the return for him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like really? This guy's a this guy's an elite player, and you're getting back Dorian Finney-Smith and. Uh, 
Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie? Yeah. And ironically, the Nets are basically right back where they were before Katie and Kyrie came there, which is a good young coach that people in the league respect but is not a big name and a bunch of some young guys who look like they could could be or already are really good role players but a team that essentially amounts to nothing yep and some draft picks mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh but you know the nets have been good good with the draft so we'll we'll see if they, if they can dig their way out of it yeah and if nothing else cam thomas at this point you know what i mean yeah so. yeah and cam thomas gets to shoot like 30 times a night which is uh frankly good for everybody yeah, I mean, like I wouldn't, you know, you could do worse than building around Thomas and Bridges, and you know, just trying to see what happens. And uh, there's a decent chance they stay in the playoffs. You know, like they're pretty far ahead of the bad teams, and it's not like the Raptors and Wizards are trying to get better. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, what a weird year. Yeah. Um. All right, we should get going. Uh, homework. Yep, up for some homework. I'm up we for get some it. movies this week. Let's do it. Well, we've uh, obviously got the challenge finale, but uh, other than that, we're we're it's going to be a heavy movie time period because we've uh, I've got the SAG awards to vote in shortly, and the Oscars are coming I up not far behind. Liam, you special. Yeah, I'm a part time radio employee, so I get <laughs> the one privilege I get is to vote in the SAG awards, and by God, I enjoy it. I'm in the same union as Eddie Murphy. I am. Uh, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sentence I ever said, but it's one I might say now. There you go. Um, all right. We're going to watch Tar, uh, which is, I believe, on Peacock. Um, and, uh, and you know, contains this uh, decent chance to win the Oscar performance. Uh, it's like a best probably, picture probably nominee, fit. too, isn't it? I think you're right. I think it is. There's, a, heard- lot of, there's a lot of best picture nominees I need to remember. I've I, I, I gotta say I I've heard weirdly good things about a movie that, like by description, seems as worthless and boring as I could ever imagine. <laughs> Is that unfair? Uh, yeah, that's fair. I it's like you know I don't know. It's I'm about having... a conductor. Uh, okay, I guess. But you know Todd Field, yeah. uh, and it. It is a Best Picture nominee, and it is uh, incredibly well-respected. So, Well, it's about the intersection of, of art and, and shitty people, right? Which, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. It's a real-life yeah. thing that we see. It is. I don't it's know. also I'm a, a movie thing. That, it's a movie yes, thing that we've also seen a movie thousands thing we, of times. Yes, and I sort of wonder, like, how much is it going to be different from uh, the drum movie that I'm playing? Right, well, that's my of. point. <laughs> like, I, this is not a movie that, by description, seems like it should be exciting, but... People seem to think it's exciting, so let's check it Whiplash. out. Whiplash. That was the name of the That's movie. Whiplash. The yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't know. Like, I'm looking at this field of Best Picture nominees, and I've seen a few of them and didn't like any of them. Well, Top Gun. But I also don't go look. I was not looking at Top Gun as like, that should be Best Picture. Right? So, uh, and also, uh, it's clearly not going to win, right? Yeah, I think I think we can say that pretty, <laughs> pretty definitively. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um okay. I, yeah but look we're I, I think we'll watch some of the like i'm gonna make you watch avatar you are you don't want to you don't want you're not at least a little interested no i'm not at least you know why because i saw the first one yeah it's supposed so, to be I actually better, saw it three I times. <laughs> so. why 
if you and it got you, worse each time. So I think it was circumstance, as I yeah. recall. You know what I mean? The first one was like the premiere, so that was like you know, and then other people wanted to go. Yeah, and like when you first watch it, like the first time you watched Av- uh, you know, you watch Avatar, right? You're like, holy shit, these visuals are amazing! What an incredible technical achievement! Yeah, um, and it distracts you from how thin and terrible the script and story are, <laughs> um, and those things become more apparent as you watch them, which I think was why the original. For a movie that was literally the highest grossing movie of all time, is so forgettable, right? Like it left like almost no footprint in the culture. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I just—it's hard for me to imagine that this one isn't going to be more of the same. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to try to watch as many of these best pictures as I can. So I will anyway, be Avatar's to not homework this week. We're going to give Derek a it's little not. more time. <laughs> Thank God. But you know, some movies that I really hated. You know, we talked about Banshees and Vinnie Sharon. You know where I am on everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. They're all nominated. So, yep. uh, and, and I know just as uh, just as enthusiastically as you're pre-hating Avatar, you also um, pre-hate Elvis. So, right, it's it's my own triangle of sadness, which is another <laughs> nominee. I've never heard of that one, so we'll have Me to neither. look into it. <laughs> All right, so the rest of the homework for this week uh, includes a movie that I thought was going to be in this group of Best Picture nominees, but did not turn out to be, and that is Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus, I believe, is where you can watch that, right? You can. You can, yeah. Um, and then uh, we are going to watch Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is something I've been looking forward to watching. I was a big fan of the book. Uh, it's about the 2000s indie rock scene in uh, New York City. Uh, Interpol, cocaine. Strokes. And, yeah, that's what, well, that's why you're meeting the person in the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> um, TV on the radio, LCD sound system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing cocaine uh, in the bathroom. Yeah, they're doing people. There, lots of people did cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> All those people that Derek just mentioned, cocaine. The, um, the Strokes hung out with Ryan Adams, and you can fill in the blanks. <laughs> they, um, they don't have a lot in common, but they do have the one thing in common. In the bathroom, um, and then finally, uh, somebody I used to know, which is about the Gautier song. No, it's not really. I, maybe it is. I don't know about the Gautier um, song. <laughs> I wonder if they employ the Gautier song in the film. I feel like they, if you're going to call the movie that, you almost have to, right? It seems like, especially given that, uh, you know, it is uh, written and directed by Dave Franco, who probably is like right around or between our ages, if not younger than me, actually, now that I think about it. Um, might be that James is more around our ages. Uh, yeah, yeah. A 37-year-old Dave Franco is definitely aware of that song. So we'll find out. Did he put it in his movie? Yeah. I don't uh, know. That stars Alison Brie, who's Dave Franco's wife, I just learned. Thanks, thanks right. for that. Um, and uh, also features and, Danny Pudi, so it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of a c- uh, community <laughs> reunion. Yeah. Uh, and Jay Ellis, who was uh, Lawrence on Insecure. Yeah. And uh, Some others uh, that we'll recognize in A couple of Chili Joe Osmonds in there. Yeah, good times. Yeah. All right. Um, that's our homework. So Tar, Wakanda Forever, Meet Me in the Bathroom, Somebody Used to Know, Challenge Finale. We'll talk about it all next week. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.